You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So next week, we're starting something I'm super excited about. It is called, I tell you guys this every week, I'm excited, because I just live an excited life, right? Um, And maybe it's the Mountain Dew I drink before we get out here. But, um, so next week, we're starting this Discover Jesus series, and I'm super pumped about it. It, We're going to look through the month of March and the first week of April um, at six different attributes of Jesus, and to kind of dive into who he is, and, but it's more than that on Sunday mornings, it's going to be a a church-wide thing. The children ministry is going to be doing this. And so if you have kids, you can ask them that week, hey, what did you guys learn about Jesus today uh, as a merciful king or as a servant or as a sacrifice? And we'll have been talking about the same thing in here. The youth ministry is going to be doing this. And so you can ask your teens, hey, what have you guys been talking about? And small groups are going to be doing it. And so every small group is going to be going through this Discover Jesus series, and we're actually launching four new small groups just for that month uh, to at least start for that month. Uh, to be able to get new people involved. And so if you are interested, if you've ever thought, well, maybe let's try a small group, but I don't really want to make a big commitment, just do March, all right? And then you have the, the freebie at the end, be like, ah, it's over, I'm busy. Uh, Got to go back to watch NCIS, and it's okay. And so um, just give it a shot for the month of March. You're going to get a lot of details about this. We're even making a little booklet that'll have devotions written by people from Discovery um, throughout the month. It's going to be awesome. So uh, we have that small group video just to plug. I want you to encourage you to think, talk to, talk to your friends, talk to your family, and say, hey, this month of March, where are we going to get plugged in? Which small group can we join? And let's go and dive into who Jesus is. It's going to be a neat thing that we're diving into Jesus because it's a transition from this book of Ruth that we've been doing. This Old Testament book of Ruth is leading us into it. And so today, uh, sadly, we are at the end of Ruth. Um, we'll be as Boaz was before he was married, ruthless. All right? And so, someone sent that to me this week. I like that one. Way to go, Halsey's. Good job. All right. Um, so we are going to be going through uh, Jesus, but, but today we're closing out the book of Ruth. If you've been along on this journey, you've seen throughout, this has been a story of God inter, interweaving and writing the story of Naomi, this woman that had a rough life and has been bitter. And now she's coming back to the Lord. And at the end of chapter 4, we're about to see... She's finding God has been faithful. It's the story of Ruth, a Moabite, a woman that's been outside of God's story, outside of God's plan. And he, he's gonna, she comes and she accepts God and she becomes and is accepted by God's people. And she sees that he is faithful and he brings her in. It's a story of Boaz, who's been following God's plan and is a man of his law, who sees that God has continued to be faithful and cares for him and loves him. And so we're going through this book of Ruth, and we're going to close it today at the end of chapter 4. When we came back from Taiwan, we lived in Taiwan a couple years, Sarah and I and our two oldest kids, Abby and Isaiah, and we came back, but while we were there, about halfway through, my grandfather, Grandpa Carell, passed away. And we weren't able to come back for the funeral, and so we watched the funeral over Skype in the middle of the night in Taiwan, and, and so we just had to say our goodbye across the world. 
So we came back, and they were selling Grandpa's house. It's in Alva, Oklahoma, a small little town in, in the panhandle. And, and we were driving from Denver, where we flew back to, to Tennessee to come see our friends here. And so on our way, my parents were headed to the house in Oklahoma to, to sell it and to do the final cleaning and, and so forth. And so we went to the house. This was our opportunity that if there was anything in the house that we would want, and still, if there was anything of Grandpa's that would be a memory of his, uh, this was our chance to take it. And, and there was one thing I had requested was uh, a bear rug from Grandpa's house, and, and they had saved that for me, and we requested a, uh, some pictures, and, and, but for the most part, I didn't remember what Grandpa had. I didn't have a list of things, and we were across the world. I didn't know if we'd be coming back, so I didn't have a list of things. So we come to Grandpa's house, and, and all that's left is the things that nobody else wants, right? That everyone else has come and scavenged and said, oh, that's useful, oh, that's nice, oh, that's a memory of Grandpa, oh, that would be helpful in my kitchen, and they've taken everything, uh, family members, as, as they should. And what's left in the house is just the junk, right? Just the stuff that we're selling the house as is, and someone else has to come bring a dumpster and empty out this, this old man's stuff that nobody wanted. And so Sarah and I are there helping pack up a few things for my parents, and, and we're looking, is there anything in here that would be a memory of Grandpa? And there wasn't much. But we go out to the garage, and, and in the garage there's broken tools, and there's broken cabinets, and, and we come across this dusty old dresser. I think I have a picture of it at Grandpa's house. You can see it's hidden behind some stuff. It's got bird feces all over it. It's, it's worn down. It's splintered. It's warped. The bottom drawer doesn't even close. And we see that everyone else in the family has seen that. His grandkids on the other side, my sister, my parents, everyone that has come by has come across this dresser. And everyone has seen it's a piece of junk, right? Nobody wants this dresser. And everyone sees that it's beaten. Everyone sees that it's been soiled. If you open the top drawer, Grandpa was a big baseball fan. uh, And there he has some of his baseballs. And then that is a baseball that a mouse had taken and turned into a nest. And so the whole dresser is just lined with mouse feces and, and other things that mice would do in that drawer and so forth. And so it was just filthy. It was disgusting. Everyone passed it by except... For Sarah. Sarah said, there's nothing else here that we could have, but I think we could do something with that. And I, think, I tell her, I think you're crazy. What, what could you possibly see with this? And we pull aside the other furniture and we get it out. And she says, yeah, we can do something with that. Let's take it back with us. I said, are you sure you want this to be the memory of Grandpa? And I asked my parents, and it turns out this is my grandfather's father's dresser that he got at their wedding in 1919, Henry Carell Jr. And so Henry Carell Jr.'s uh, wedding dresser, it's a piece of junk. But we load it up in the U-Haul, and we send it back to Colorado. And as I come to this story of Ruth, I sit here and think, I wonder if that's what God sees. Other people saw Ruth as this Moabite, as this outsider, as as a person that doesn't matter, as a person that shouldn't matter, that shouldn't be included. And what does God see? Something beautiful. He sees potential. He sees something that he could redeem. Other people see Naomi, this bitter old woman, this woman that fled from God's plan, this woman that was part of seeing her husband die, her sons die, and now she's just cranky. She's just angry. She's mad at the world. What did God see? A woman that he wanted to bring back to Israel, 
a woman that he wanted to restore. That others would see Boaz as a successful man, that he's got all the money in the world. What does he need God for? What does he need? And what does he need anything besides his own ability to, to work the fields and to lead his company? And what does God see? Someone that needs his love. Someone that he would provide for. Someone that he would care for. And so I wonder if it's like that dresser that there's this, this, it looks bad on the outside and everyone else would pass it up and God sees an amazing thing inside of Boaz, inside of Naomi, inside of Ruth, and inside of you and me. And so as we close out the story of Ruth, if you have your Bibles, open it to chapter 4. We're going to dive into this and I want us just to be able to see what God has seen throughout this story. His faithfulness. God is faithful to the main characters in the story, but as, as we always do, try to see this relationship between God and us. God has been faithful to us. So we have the, the story of, of Ruth and Boaz. If you missed last week, they, they, there's a kinsman redeemer. The next closest person to, to Ruth, uh, to Naomi, is the one that will get the land and also get Ruth. And so the first person passes it up, and Boaz is excited. He says, I will take them all. And he brings her in, and, and he, they will become man and wife, and he'll get the land. And they finally, this love story that we've been tracking along for several chapters, finally comes to fruition, and they're together. So that's where we pick up in chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. I don't know if you've noticed the change in writing here. And you might not have, because we've been looking at this over a span of six weeks, and, and maybe even if we were sitting down reading through the whole book, we might not notice this change the author has. But up to this point, Ruth has been mentioned seven times, and every time she's Ruth, the Moabite. Every time she's Ruth, the outsider. Every time she's Ruth, the one that's not one of us. But this time, she's just Ruth. She's in. She's been accepted by God. She's been accepted by the community. She's been accepted by Boaz. As the guardian redeemer, as the kinsman redeemer, she's been redeemed. She's been brought in, and now she's just Ruth. And I love that illustration as we talk about the broken down dresser that everyone else would see as trash. Sometimes that describes our life, that everyone else would see the, the mistakes we've made, the sins we've had, the scars we have, all these things. And what does God see? He just sees Ruth. She's not Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the sinner, Ruth the outsider. It's Ruth, my daughter. It's Matt, my son. It's, it's you, God's son and daughter. And so this, there's change is significant for us to see. And so they've been given a son. We've seen God's grace throughout the story of, of bringing Ruth into that she accepts God and, and she gets to come to Bethlehem and then the grace of you know, guiding her to the right field and the grace of having Boaz there on that day. The God's grace of bringing their relationship together and of making it so the original kinsman redeemer passes up and now she can be part of Boaz's family. And now we see God's grace in the birth of a son. God is blessing them. And so the story continues. We pick up in, in verse 14. The women said to Naomi. Now, when we talk about the women, these are good friends. These are friends of Naomi. These are friends. It's a small Bethlehem village. And so these are friends that have been celebrating with the pregnancy. Word gets out. Naomi says, I'm going to have a grandchild. 
And these old women are all excited with her, and they're, and they're pumped, and they're having a good time, and they're talking about when the baby comes, what are we going to do, Naomi? And, and they're maybe knitting little hats. I don't know what they did back then old women would do for a baby, but I'm sure there was cute little hats and footies. And, and so they're excited, and they're, they're going down this journey for nine months with Naomi. And says, the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he became, become famous throughout Israel. Remember last week how important that guardian redeemer is. And he's not talking about Boaz anymore. Now they're talking about this baby. This baby will provide for Naomi. This baby will care for her. This baby is what Naomi was worried about. When they went to Moab and she lost her husband, then she lost her son, then she lost her other son, and then she was left without any heirs. It meant she was left without anyone to care for her deep into her old age, and God has provided. They continue, He will renew your life and sustain you in old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. What a blessing to Naomi. Remember, this is Naomi, who when she first came back and got together with these ladies at the well, these ladies are all standing around, and she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because I'm bitter. Don't you see how bad my life is? Don't you see how frustrated I am? Don't you see the, the destruction and the pain that I've been going through? Call me bitterness. And now these ladies get her, come around her at the birth of her grandson and say, God has been faithful. He has blessed you abundantly. Look, Naomi. What you were worried about, what you felt bitter for, there's no need. He has been faithful. Now note that he didn't say he, this baby replaces what she's lost. Nothing will do that. That pain is there. She would love to have her husband. She would love to have her boys. But God also is faithful to her. And the story continues on. God's story. And she gets to be part of it as she sees this little boy grow. I wonder how our local community, how this body of believers is compared to these ladies. You know, I, I hope, I know in my small group, I love going there because when something's great, everyone can cheer with us. And not just great in our life like, hey, that interview went well, or my kid's doing a good score on this test, but we, but we celebrate when God has been faithful in each other's lives, where we can encourage one another and say, yeah, I see God in that. God's been doing that. That's what Naomi's friends are doing. They're not just happy she has a, a boy. She points out God has been faithful. They point her back to the Lord. That's what I feel like our, our church family is meant to do. It's what I feel like our church family does. So the passage continues, verse 16. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The, woman living, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. The community names him. I think this is kind of strange, kind of unusual. As we said, the names are an important part of this story, the story of Ruth. And they name him Obed, which means servant. They could have named him Mighty Warrior. They could have named him, uh, they could have named him something mighty, something strong. Because they know that Naomi has been waiting for this, and they're all excited for him. But instead, they name him Servant. They name him something that leads to the thought of being faithful. 
that a servant is faithful to their master. That Naomi, Boaz, Ruth have been faithful to God, even in the hard times. Even in times of bitterness, she still came back to him. This idea of faithfulness might have been to reflect God has been faithful to her. So the verse closes, verse 17 says, He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. If you didn't read ahead and you didn't know already, this is the part that kind of blows your mind as you're going through the story of Ruth. This is the part of why I think Ruth was, was written, was to give the, some of the history, historical background of King David. Because this is David's grandfather, King David, the one that would lead Israel, King David, the one that would beat Goliath, the King David, the one that is a man after God's own heart. This is this birth, this baby, is his grandpa. So we've just stepped into this history, into this history lesson to know, whoa, this is more than a story of a foreigner, of a Moabite woman and a wealthy landowner coming together and getting married. This is God's story. Because through David comes the line and ultimately Jesus. Ruth, the outsider, the Moabite, is in the line of Jesus. And so this is where we get, and this is the culmination of the story for the author is to say, hey, here we now have David. And so we got this beautiful little four-chapter book in the middle of the Old Testament. And it teaches so much. It teaches about the providence of God guiding Ruth and Naomi into Boaz's path. It, it talks about a beautiful illustration that even at times when we're hurt, when we're bitter, when we're angry, maybe even at God as Naomi was, God was still faithful. It gives us a story of a, a new believer coming to, to be part of God's family. It's a story we can all relate to. It's a story of, that beautifully illustrates salvation. I mean, just think about Ruth's story. She's an outsider, and then she finds out about God, and she's welcomed in, and she fully embraces this relationship. If you just look at this story as we've gone through, it's four chapters, but it's this idea, this idea of this relationship with the Lord that many people find themselves in. You probably find yourself in one of these four chapters. Chapter one, she doesn't know the Lord exists. She's just finally heard about him. Chapter 2, she, she comes and, and she's gleaning from the field of Boaz and she's receiving his gifts. That she's, she's receiving some things from Boaz and, and she's seeing that God is providing and, and she's reaping the benefit of that provision. Chapter 3, Ruth goes and yields herself to Boaz and she goes and she comes to Boaz and says, I want to be part of this family. Redeem me. Make me part of God's family. And chapter 4, She's in. She's in with God's family. She's in with Boaz, and everything that was his is hers. This is our spiritual walk. Which chapter are you in? Chapter one, very distant from God, don't have much of a relationship. Chapter two, that you have this kind of superficial relationship with God, that you want to reap the benefits of it, but there's not much commitment on your end. Chapter 3, you finally coming and yielding yourself to him, giving your life over, accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, getting baptized. Chapter 4, enjoying the benefits that everything that is God's, eternity, 
is yours. This is a story that we can all find ourselves in, chapter 1 through 4. And I ask you, to be honest, what chapter do you find yourself in? And are you okay there? Are you okay in that chapter, or do you need to take steps to move on to the next chapter? Take steps as Ruth did throughout the story to where she's ultimately with Boaz and everything that is hers. His is now hers. The story ends kind of strangely. It's a, it's a weird ending. You got this beautiful story. It's, it's interesting. It's catchy. And then it ends with this genealogy. But it ends in chat, verse 18. It says, this then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezor. Hezar the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Imadab, and Imadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. The author wants to make sure, if in case you missed it, let me tell you, this is God's story. I think the author's trying to illustrate that we feel like sometimes we're just lost, sometimes that we're just little individuals that's not important. And Boaz and Ruth and Naomi probably thought their story was not important. It's just part of the little village of Bethlehem, which is part of the country of Israel, which is part of the whole world. That it wasn't that important of a story, but we see here at the end, it is. This is God's story. And, we, and they get to be part of God's story. And the beautiful thing is you and I get to be part of God's story. They, he, has in, he has grafted us into the story that we can be part of it. And that what we do day by day in your families, at your work, at your school, is all part of God's story. We could have this genealogy and it would include us somewhere along the line. The genealogy of God's story. And we see that it ends the father of David, who we know leads to Jesus. It's ended up being a beautiful little story, right? It's like those Christian movies that are kind of cheesy where everything works out at the end, right? Facing the Giants, great movie, except for like the last 30 seconds where all of a sudden they have twins and two national championships. It's like, come on, really? Like, it just works out perfect, and that's how Ruth is. They've been having this hard life, and Naomi's bitter, Ruth is this outsider, and then, oh, they're married and they have a baby and live happily ever after. And it's a beautiful story, but that's not always the case. For each one of us, right? And really, that wasn't totally the case for even Naomi. I got to think, for the rest of Naomi's life, she still wished she had her love, Elimelech, there. She still wonders, why did her sons have to die? She didn't get to see the grand picture. That because the sons died, Ruth was able to come back with her, Mary Boaz, who would be the descendants and help train and help raise up Obed, who would raise up Jesse the way that he had learned, who would raise up David the way that he had learned from Obed, who had learned from Boaz and Ruth, who would be able to raise up David to be a man after God's own heart. Naomi never got to see the big picture. For each of us, there's things in our life that... I don't have an answer for you. There's pain and there's struggles that we go through. And I'd love to say everything works out great at the end like it does for Ruth. But for Naomi, there's still pain. But the author allows us to step back a little bit and see the grand picture. That even though in the midst of this pain, 
something amazing happened. In the midst of this pain comes David. From David comes Jesus. The reality is part of this pain leads to Jesus, the Messiah. And so in our life, when there's things that we just can't seem to find answers, and there's, and there's struggles, and there's pain, and there's that bitterness, the answer is that we might never know until we get to see the big picture. For this, five generations later, to see David come about. And many, many generations later to see Jesus. We don't always get to see the big picture, but what we can do is trust God that he is faithful. He's been faithful to Naomi and Boaz and Ruth. And we're going to see through David, he's faithful to the people of Israel, to his people. He is faithful. So we got this dresser. That's just beat up, and we bring it back on the U-Haul, and, and we're staying with Sarah's parents. We thought we'd be there a couple months, end up being there a year, and unfortunately, he's a really handy guy, Bill, and so I'm not, but he is, and so we took a lot of pictures of, of building it, and I would make sure I was in those pictures so it looked like I did it, but it, it was mostly Bill fixing it up with my family. And we got a couple of pictures, I think, of you. This is Isaiah at four years old. He was working on it. And I think there's Sarah and Bill working on the dresser. We took it and worked hard. We had to take off the top. We had to fix the warped drawer. We had to restain it. We had to clean it. We had to use cleaners that would get rid of the mouse pee smell. We had to do all these things. And eventually, eventually, we were able to take something that was ugly, something that everyone else thought didn't belong, something that everyone else had passed up on, and made this dresser. It might not look like much to you. But to me, that's the centerpiece of our house. When you walk in to our home, that's the first thing you'll see. Because that's Henry Carell Jr.'s wedding dresser. That might not mean much to you, but it's 101 years old now. And that might not mean much to you, but it does to me. And I even made sure to keep one of Grandpa's baseballs in there. And so we had one of Grandpa's baseballs, not the mouse-chewed peed one, but a nice one, and we have this dresser. And when we walk in every day, it's a reminder of something that has torn, something that has beaten, something that everyone else in the world passed up on. And the right hands could be restored. That might be the story of our life. We're going to this time of communion to remember that God died on the cross in his son, Jesus. And he died on the cross so that we could be restored, so that we could be redeemed. That the story in Ruth of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz being redeemed could be our story. Perhaps you felt like an outsider like Ruth all along. Perhaps you've never had that relationship with God and, and let this story, this book, be a, a culmination to bring you around to see that God wants you in this family. He wants to bring you in. He wants to redeem you. Maybe you've been like Naomi. that you've, you've been a Christian, but life has been hard. And you have hurt, and you have pain, and you have guilt, or you have struggles, or you have all these things. Maybe even the world has seen you and sees this beat-up dresser that nobody wants and everyone passes on. And God sees the potential in you. 
take heart that he sent his son to restore you. And in God's eyes, he sees something beautiful. He sees his son and daughter. He sees his creation. He sees a centerpiece of his living room. Maybe you're like Boaz. And this time of communion, that you've been following God and you've been faithful, but just be a reminder that God is faithful too. Great is his faithfulness to each one of us. Now let this time of communion serve as a reminder that we need to continue to be faithful to him because we get to be part of his story as he has been faithful to us. If you'll pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love for us and care. And God, I just pray right now as we go to this time of communion that that if there's someone here that's like Ruth, that has felt like on the outside, that they would give their life over to you this morning, that they would come and talk to us and, and take those steps to be able to accept you and be part of your family. That if there are people here like Naomi who have been hurting, who are bitter, God, that they would come and they would see that they can be restored and brought back to you and made beautiful as you see us. God, if there's people here like Boaz at this time of communion, let us just take this communion and be reminded that you are faithful and find encouragement to continue to be faithful to you. God, I pray that this morning, that this past six weeks, this book of Ruth would bring us encouragement, bring us hope, bring us restoration, redemption, God, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we have been restored. We lift this up in your name.